Hello. Poop. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate Gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello! Hello! (laughs) Do I sound okay? Because this is my first recording in this new space. And I, half an hour before we were going to record, was trying to put up my soundproofing and the staple gun... So yesterday I tried to put it up and the staple gun had no staples. And so today Jeff borrowed one from work, but the one that he borrowed from work uses different staples. He did get the right staples for it, but the staple gun that he borrowed from work doesn't work. (laughs) It sounds good to me. Okay. I have my soundproofing literally stacked in piles around me. So I'm hoping that that's going to be good enough for now. It's like a house of cards in here. I feel like I can't move because it's so precariously piled that I feel like it's going to fall over at any second. I hope not. (laughs) hopefully not how are you i'm doing okay i just went to our staff winter party oh nice yeah so i had a bunch of free food i missed mine oh you did (laughs) i was doing an exam ah well i suppose that's important yeah i was doing actual work should have just given them all a's or f's Uh, but they all got their own f's so it's okay (laughs) (laughs) good job good job kids Yep. Slash adults. <laughs> to be fair, I don't think I gave them a review that was as close to the final exam as I thought that it was, but here we are. <laughs> I also told them this might not match the exam exactly, so study everything, including things that are you know not on my exam review here. Okay. Also, somebody missed their exam today. <laughs> I got an email from her during the exam. Was the exam today? Oh, no. Yes. Light- yes, it oh, was. Oh, man. <laughs> Sometimes everything's just too much and you miss something, (laughs) but missing your exam is real bad. If you remember like way back when we were in college, the exam schedule is often different from the regular lecture schedule because no classes are really three hours long, but the exam blocks are three hours Mm. long. So they have to adjust the schedule during exam week. So our class is normally at 1040 in the morning, but the exam was at 1215. Gotcha. And she said she showed up and there was nobody there. I'm like, oh, "Oh, too bad you weren't paying attention during class when I said several times your exam is at 12.15. And then when I also posted online, remember your exam is at 12.15. Do you allow for them to make that up or are they just fucked? I have one time tomorrow that I can let her take a makeup exam. And I hate to say it, but I can't make a special trip to campus for her because I have too much going on with the move. I've got contractors coming and then we're going on vacation. I've been fitting work in just like various sporadic times throughout the day because most of my job I'm doing from home except when I'm actively teaching. So I'm not on campus unless I have a class scheduled. And the only time I'm going to be on campus tomorrow is for my last exam, which is 5.30 to 7.30. So if she cannot make it at that time, I have no other time that I can make it to campus just to give her a makeup test. I mean, I think that's reasonable enough. Yeah, especially because it takes me over an hour round trip just to drive there. So that just makes it that much harder to fit it into my day. So yeah, I try to be lenient, but my leniency has limits. (laughs) Fair. I don't know if you remember or if you remember me telling you this anyway. When I was in college, I missed a midterm because my car had been broken. I picked it up from the mechanic and then the transmission died on the highway on my way to school to take my exam. Oh, that's terrible. It was- See, that 
Stuff like that is why I'm usually pretty lenient about it. It was very distressing, but my professor was very understanding. So Yeah. I already mentioned way back when we did our interview with Kenny that I slept through his midterm. <laughs> <laughs> and he let me take a makeup exam, which I greatly appreciated because like I had set my alarm and everything and I just slept right yeah. through the alarm. So these things happened. Yeah. yeah, shit happens. And, you know, sometimes I might ask for documentation. I don't usually even bother with that unless they completely missed the exam and then don't email me about it until after the exam is over. If they let me know in advance, they're not going to be there because, like, they're on their way and they're texting me from their car that their car is broken down or whatever. I generally don't ask for anything. Gotcha. Yeah. How are things with you? Uh, Besides yeah, busy. Well, <laughs> that's mostly it. Yeah. Just super busy yeah i've jacked up my knee so that sucks this is like the worst timing possible for that and it's just not getting better like i want it to so it's making moving harder and complained about my students already yep i'm not really complaining about my students but you know yeah (laughs) it is a little (laughs) annoying when i tell them like 20 times when and where the exam is and they miss it yes yeah and then uh let's see oh i complained about my soundproofing but i'm hoping for the best (laughs) and yeah I think that's pretty much a good recap of everything. All right. Yeah. Do you know who else also has to do another recap of something? Ooh, who? You. Ooh, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. I should probably find my notes. Okay. Why am I doing a recap? (laughs) You're doing a recap because we got a little previously on at the beginning of this episode that we're going to be talking about. Oh, what's the episode? The episode is Stargate SG-1 Season 5, Episode 12, Wormhole Extreme. Yeah. (laughs) Their 100th episode. You know what that makes this? (gasps) What? Our 100th episode. No, that's bananas. (laughs) I know, right? It really is. We should have brought in a fake host cast to do a fake podcast within this podcast. We totally should have. We should have brought... Jeff and Colin in. <laughs> I actually really tried to think of something special to do for it and then came up with no ideas because. Me too. Because. So, <laughs> here we are. So happy 100th episode, Kathy. Happy 100. I will Woo! toast you with some wine out of this champagne flute. Excellent. Mm-hmm. I will toast you with my flavored water. Yay. Woo. Or I can go back in time and toast you at my holiday party with some wine. Jealous. Yeah. Very yeah. jealous since I didn't get to go at mine. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, there was some good free food. Nice. Yeah. Like free food. I was going to at least stop by for the last 20 minutes of our holiday party. But then by the time I actually got rid of all my students and finished running everything through the Scantron that kept jamming up on me, it was like 10 of and it ended at three. So like, I'm just going home now. Wow. And then I didn't actually go home. I went to the apartment and cleaned and got mad at the office again. Yeah. Anyway. So, Kathy, who's Martin? Who's Murray? (laughs) Take your meds unless the guy that gives them to you isn't actually a psychiatrist. One of the bad guys likes playing with his nightstick. (laughs) It extends. Martin has some very old-fashioned looking future tech. And he's from outer space. Look, there is a spaceship! That is my recap. Good job. Thank you. In space, there's a ship. An alien ship. It's not like a Gwauld ship, which is the one we're most familiar with. It's, I don't know how to describe it. it yeah. 
It's weird. It reminded me of something I've seen in other sci-fi, and yet I can't describe it. So yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, there's an alien spaceship moving towards Earth. And Sam is there to talk to the rest of SG-1 and Hammond about it. Sam has an image of this ship captured by a space probe. They were able to determine it's a spaceship because it was changing course and accelerating instead of careening towards Earth on a death spiral. They were also able to identify the ship because it has an energy signature that matches one they've seen before. And then she shows an image of the ship that they found in Montana that belonged to their friend Marty. Daniel's like, oh, that little guy with the pills and the glasses? Daniel says he thought that his ship had been destroyed. But Jack says, no, it was a pod. And so this could be their ship. They need to talk to Martin. So they're going to go try to find him. Meanwhile, we're on a TV set. And a bunch of people run into the scene. I liked how one of them did like a handspring <laughs> to hide behind a rock. So funny. They're taking fire and they're firing back on whatever the bad guy is. I don't think we even actually see the bad guy, but they're just hiding behind their rocks. And it is very obviously supposed to be SG-1, but they're using a bunch of different names. And the way that they have this build is confusing because they have like the actor name and then the character name. So I'm just going to go with fake O'Neill and fake everybody. <laughs> Long story short, fake Sam is trying to science their way out of whatever this situation is, trying to reverse the polarity of the shield generator. It's not working, blah, blah, blah. Peter DeLuise, the actual director off screen, shouts bang <laughs> and makes all kinds of gun noises. <laughs> the actors collapse on the ground. And then he yells cut. We see the wormhole extreme slate clapping shut in front of the camera. <laughs> They're going to go take a break, according to David Sinclair, who is SG-1's property master. Here playing the assistant director. Yeah. So it seems that much of the crew of yeah. the actual SG-1 show is playing parts of the crew in this fake show. Yes. I didn't catch them all, so I'm glad this mm -mm. thing is doing it. Mm-hmm. Same. Marty comes up from wherever he was hiding off screen and complains about how awful that is and that they need to do it again. But the director says, nope, they're going to keep moving on. Everything's fine. Just fine. Everybody leaves, and Marty's just kind of there shouting after all of them. Yeah, uh, uh, great, great job, everybody. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Despite the fact that he was just complaining about how awful it was. Yes. <laughs> and then credits, finally. Oh, Marty. At first I was like, who the hell is Martin? Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> after credits, the team the actual sg1 team and hammond are watching a promo for a new sci-fi show called wormhole extreme there's all sorts of dramatic images of them like jumping and shooting and <laughs> it's very funny they've got quite their own version of a stargate there then we get shots of these are just funny things and yes. i just love them so much we're like okay. The colonel character is like, as a matter of fact, it does say colonel on my uniform as he punches a guy and then kisses a woman. This guy is nothing really like O'Neill, but a no. send up of like 
that sort of sci-fi. Yeah. The very cliche sci-fi. Yeah. Seems to be pretty heavily influenced by like original series Star Trek. Yes. Yeah. The female character says some science thing. Mm -hmm. The character who is takes after Daniel (laughs) says in the most overacted like comedic way. Damn it, Colonel, just because they're aliens and their skulls are transparent doesn't mean they don't have rights. (laughs) It was just so good. Yeah, it was pretty great. It was really well done. Daniel, though, has a reaction shot there, and he's not super fond of it. No, pretty much everyone looked pissed off except for Sam. She was the only one who seemed actually entertained and was smiling as she watched it. (laughs) And in this fictional, fictional SG-1... Teal'c is a robot named Grell. <laughs> he looked extra displeased with his yeah. extra raised eyebrow when they announced <laughs> that his character was a robot. They finished watching this promo and they're all like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Apparently Hammond says that Martin sold this idea to the movie studio and is working as a creative consultant on the show. Teal'c says this is a serious breach of his security, but Hammond says, no, not necessarily. Uh, Jack chimes in that the Air Force could have stopped this whole production if they didn't want it to happen. Because, as Hammond said, this is plausible deniability. So they can just, you know, if there's a future security breach, they can just be like, yeah, you got that from the TV show. Hammond assigns Jack to head on over to the... Studio where Wormhole Extreme is being shot to become the Air Force's new consultant on the show. So he can go find and talk to Marty. Jack's super pleased by his expression. (laughs) He sure is. Back at the studio, the director, I appreciated, wanted the explosions that we were seeing to be bigger. And I agreed, director, much bigger. (laughs) All the explosions. Agree. There's all kinds of stuff happening behind the scenes stuff of random extras and characters and makeup. Jack wanders across the lot, kind of checking everything out. He finds this guy named Bill. What was Bill's job? Um, I don't know. All right. There's a guy named Bill. <laughs> <laughs> he seems to be kind of just telling people where to go and what they are currently doing. So I don't know, like a I guess a showrunner kind of thing. I don't really know. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Jack comes up and asks where he can find Martin Lloyd and says that Martin is one of the bigwigs around there. This guy, Bill, has no idea who he's talking about at first. When Jack says his name again, he's like, oh, yeah, over there by the trailers. Jack makes his way over. Then some guy walks by with a big bowl of fruit. I like that the apples even still had, like, the grocery store stickers on them. (laughs) Marty's not too pleased that they look like Earth fruit, even though these are supposed to be fruit from another planet. And the props guy is like, why not? They all speak English. (laughs) I literally laughed out loud. But Martin didn't like this. And he said that the guy should go get some kiwis and spray paint them red. Props guy's like, you know, they have to actually bite into these, right? (laughs) The props guy is going to go off to figure out some way to make edible, not Earth looking food. Jack comes up and Marty's like, oh, is that what you're wearing? I guess that's fine. When Jack introduces himself, Marty says, oh, right. Well, just don't talk to the actors. And I was wondering, like, is the real 
consultant they had on set? Was he not allowed to talk to any of the actors? Okay, I have an answer for this, actually. Oh, you do? I listened to the audio commentary of this episode on the DVD. Oh, nice. It was a lot of like, oh, there's that guy that works there. That's our pal. But the one thing that I think it was Peter DeLuise who said (laughs) that the military consultant would tell them the scene they just did was totally wrong and not accurate. So (laughs) they didn't want them to talk because they were instructed not to, but they were like trying to not let them talk so that they didn't have to redo things because they weren't accurate. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Cause I was wondering too, like if the actual consultant was there watching them film the scenes, cause I kind of just, assumed that they were maybe taking a look at the script or giving pointers here and there. I didn't know that they were like actually on set watching. I guess. I don't know how long that went on. I feel like it probably couldn't have been all 10 years of the show. I can't imagine. So, yeah. Jack is talking to Marty, trying to get him to admit where he got the idea for this show and basically accusing him of, you know, some shady dealings with making a show out of SG-1 and true stories, but Marty seems to have no idea what he's talking about. Jack spouts off a bunch of names like Tanner, Hammond, Carter, Murray, and Marty still has absolutely no idea what's going on and says he's pretty busy, so he has other places to go, and he just leaves Jack behind being confused as to whether or not Marty really doesn't remember or is just pretending. And then elsewhere, there was an explosion, and I liked it. (laughs) The director says that it needed to be bigger. And of course, I also agreed with that. <laughs> but if there's one thing that SG-1 needs, it's more random explosions for no reason at for random sure. times. Of course. Jack decides to check out Martin's trailer since Marty's busy elsewhere. He calls Hammond to let him know that he thinks Martin's memory is erased again. Ah, uh... I hate when that happens. Yeah. Hammond has Jack on speakerphone, which it's a little rude to not tell him that he's on speakerphone because, you know, what if Jack wanted to say something disparaging about Daniel? (laughs) He probably would say it to his face, to be honest, but... True. Yeah. Anyway, they conclude that Tanner and the other aliens have been doing the drugging of Martin again. Jack in the trailer says he has not found any medications, but he's found a lot of vitamins. So they're going to grab some of those to analyze to see if he's being drugged through those. And he's instructed to keep an eye on Martin in the meantime. Are you opening something? Definitely not putting more gummy bears in my (laughs) I was trying to be quiet and I failed. (laughs) One time in college, I had gotten a Diet Coke out of a vending machine. It was sitting in class trying to quietly open it. (laughs) And it kept doing tiny hisses at a time, you know, like when you're trying to open it slowly. And the instructor stopped and was like, just open it. (laughs) That's really funny. (laughs) That would probably annoy the crap out of me. Okay. (laughs) I was trying to be quiet, but okay. (laughs) Sorry. And you know how much I like being put on the spot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's your favorite thing. Jack hangs up and Sam tells Hammond Jack's going to need some backup. So Hammond's like, cool, get on that. Yep. Then we're on set and fake Jack is talking to some random princess who thanks him for what he's done for them. And it's been many bleems (laughs) since her people were enslaved. The actor himself breaks character and shouts that it's not working because they're literally walking over a bunch of bodies 
<laughs> as this is happening. <laughs> Even though they're not showing the bodies, the actor is complaining that the viewers are going to know that they're there. And they go back and forth about how they only got the one set. So the dead aliens have to be there because this is where the battle just happened. And they can't have this little love scene anywhere else because they don't have any other scenes to hold it on. In the end, the actor gets his way and all of the extras clear out so that they can have their scene. Son's body is literally everywhere <laughs> that they need to step over as they're walking. Marty at one point actually suggested, well, if two shots kills them, why not three shots to disintegrate them? <laughs> the director says that's the dumbest thing that he's ever heard me say. <laughs> They talk about maybe they can make up some story about the beam of the ray gun being a different color, blah, blah, blah. In the commentary, they were talking about this and they referenced their own decision to make that third shot happen and then really never use it (laughs) anymore. And also they talk about how people are unconscious for as long as you need them to be. And I was like, yeah, they acknowledge that. The actor who plays fake Jack walks up to Jack and asks, so you're the real deal, huh? You've seen some action? Jack tells him that that's classified. And so the actor, Marlo, is like, oh, okay, that's like a yes, but really a no. He asks Jack if his uniform is realistic. (laughs) And Jack's like, "Uh, yeah, totally. It is really not. It's like a weird, ugly gray thing with a weird giant black T in the front. Yeah, the camouflage part in the front was like flaps over black. It was weird. It was weird. But Jack's like, yeah, it's totally perfect because you don't want to be a target in space. So (laughs) making fun of the fact that they are always wearing camouflage in space, basically. As I think we've mentioned before, when they're like, you know, hiding amongst the gold and they're wearing their normal camo. Everyone goes back on set to get ready for another take. Marty comes up to talk to Jack and says, the X, I know what you're thinking. It's a marketing thing. Research shows that an X in the name gets higher ratings, which was making me think that maybe 100 episodes is when we change the name of the podcast to Stargazing spelled with an X instead of a Z. (laughs) (laughs) That might get us better ratings. Right? Yeah. 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 More, More watching. Yay. Anyway, that's the end of the scene. They call action and they're going to go again. (laughs) I really like the X on the back of the uniform. It's not only an X, but it's also glittery, the outline of it. (laughs) Oh, I didn't even notice the glitter. Yeah, or it's not glitter, it's sparkly. I think it's like a silvery thread. Somehow I missed that. That patches it on, but (laughs) it's like, yes, that is very realistic to have a camouflage outfit that also has a shiny... Yeah thread on the back right that's just what you want is your camo to be sparkly and you definitely want a big target on your back x Mm -hmm. yeah elsewhere tanner is hanging out in some random warehouse like he does another guy comes up and tells him that the ship is on schedule there's one problem though he shows tanner a photo of jack with martin so that's going to complicate whatever plot they've got going. Dr. Fraser goes to see Hammond in his office. Hammond is on the phone authorizing surveillance of Martin. Sam and <laughs> Daniel are going to intercept frequencies broadcast from inside the house. So they're trying to not monitor Martin, but monitor if Martin is being monitored. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it's very meta. <laughs> Who watches the Watchers? Dr. Fraser has the results from the vitamin analysis. And indeed, the vitamins contain the same chemical that was making Martin forget what was going on the last time. Who would have thought? I know. Hammond wants to know, what do they want Martin to forget? <gasps> what? I don't know. The big Probably ship in the sky? The same stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back in the studio, the fake Sam actor comes up to talk to Marty and says that she's having some trouble with scene 27 because she wants to know if she is out of phase and is able to walk through walls. Why does she not fall through the floor? Which is a very valid question <laughs> that they have never addressed. That's true. When we've been dealing with out of phase characters. Does, does anyone ever address that in any sci-fi, I wonder? I do not believe so. Not to my knowledge, anyway. Because I was actually thinking about out-of-phase characters on a spaceship. If they fall out of the spaceship, do they just float lonely in space for the rest of eternity? I would guess so. Until, that, like, I guess they would eventually maybe, I mean, like, die from being yeah. in space. That's true. Yeah, but if they're out of phase with space, I don't know. But Well, if they're out of phase with space, they're still not going to have any oxygen, though, at the very least. Maybe. And warmth. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know yeah i don't know i was just like that if for some reason they could still breathe and be warm that would be a very lonely life it would yes agree very much agree marty of course does not have an answer and <laughs> says that they're gonna have to get back to her on that one so she rolls her eyes and wanders off we pan over to jack who's over at craft services and apparently Tilk is also there now as backup and it's great because he is posing as a chef and he puts down a big tray of food and tells Jack that the crew does not appear to enjoy the traditional dishes of Chulak and I just love whatever backstory is happening here that Tilk is not only just like acting as waiter but he's actually in the kitchen cooking and not only is he in the kitchen cooking but he's actually deciding what to cook for everybody as well <laughs> it's just fantastic to me. Yeah. <laughs> but then I really wanted to know what the food was because the plate of food that he puts down was just sandwiches on white bread. So yeah. What was it about it that makes it a chulak dish and that made it so appealing to everyone else? <laughs> then we get a couple randos wandering up who are not actually randos, but they are producer Gio Malazzi and producer John Smith. Malazzi complains about the donuts all being gone. Jill says they were consumed by drivers before they retired to sleep. And then he tells them to leave because he wants to talk to Jack. <laughs> and when they look at each other confused, he shouts at them, leave, leave us. us. <laughs> it was pretty great. Yeah, agreed. Jack asks Tilk what's going on with Sam and Daniel, and Tilk says that their investigation is ongoing. And we get to see that ongoing investigation. Sam and Daniel are in a van doing their surveilling of Martin's house. They were able to find a signal. Sam matches the frequency and they see there are cameras set up in Martin's house. Therefore, confirmed, Tanner's people are watching Martin. Just like last time, Sam says. What? I know. Shocking. Yeah. Back with the... TV show, an executive producer and director are all having a conversation about a scene they're trying to do where somebody's weightless and 
He doesn't want them to be waitlist, probably because it costs a lot of money to do that. Likely. But the director wants to know how else will the colonel get past the giant alien. And Jack (laughs) offers up this very helpful suggestion. Why doesn't he just shoot him? (laughs) The executive producer, despite Martin saying that he doesn't know he's not supposed to say anything yet, tells him, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, let's just do what Jack says basically. It's much funnier. Watch the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Martin also tells the exec that they're going to need to see the ship. It's crucial to the episode, but the producer says that instead they could just say, oh my god, look at the ship. It's indescribable and see reaction shots. But then he relents and says if they can do it for $5,000 or less, they can have their spaceship which i just thought all of this was pretty funny it's really interesting because it's the inner workings of tv show which i don't have experience with obviously yeah i know nothing about it we're coming at this from yeah of course history and science backgrounds not film production yeah (laughs) finally martin also has a problem with a scene in act three the director says That problem is that there is two-way travel through a wormhole, which is, as Martin says, impossible. Matter can only go one way through a wormhole. I actually took a look. I know that that's obviously the canon in this show, but I took a look to see if that's the general consensus among theoretical astrophysicists or whoever it is that's studying the possibility of wormholes. Since the existence of wormholes has not ever been actually shown, but there does not actually seem to be a consensus as to whether or not if wormholes exist, if matter can go both ways through the wormhole. Okay. And what I did say, though, is that pretty much passing any matter through a wormhole would cause it to instantly collapse unless you had some extra sort of radiation passing through it as well. But I'm just going to assume that the Stargate took care of whatever that was doesn't it have all that radiation that if you accidentally put it through a sun it blows up the sun apparently (laughs) (laughs) wasn't that plutonium though that was like specifically yeah plutonium though it wasn't radiation yeah it was plutonium but maybe there's always radiation going through too yeah (laughs) the executive producer though is not interested in martin's science facts (laughs) and says who here has won a cable ace award and raises his own hand And leaves. Yep. They go back to shooting or whatever at that point. Elsewhere and later, I guess, (laughs) Marty and Jack are having a little chat. Marty's upset because everyone's just continuing to ignore him, even though he is the creative consultant and nothing should be happening without him having a say in it. Jack's like, well, you you had a say. (laughs) Well, didn't listen. Marty is unhappy. I already said that. That's okay. You know what? I didn't do this before, but I just Googled Puchinski. Oh, nice. Yeah, Marty mentions a show called Puchinski that has 100 episodes out. Jack loves that show. There's apparently an 1990 unsold TV pilot about it, which the Wikipedia says the story follows Chicago police detective Stanley Puchinski, (laughs) whose spirit is transferred into a flatulent English bulldog after he is killed (laughs) in the line of duty. Wow. Can't imagine why that was never picked up. (laughs) I know. Peter Boyle was Puchinski. That would have been amazing and terrible. (laughs) That is just bizarre. (laughs) So bizarre. Wow. 
this episode of SG One is just the like, gift that keeps on giving. Like yeah, that, really that they is. reference that. Like that's amazing. That is. Yeah, I didn't even think to look that up. That's pretty great. Jack wants to know where Marty heard about wormholes only going one way, and Marty is like, I don't know. I must have read it somewhere. Jack also wants to know where he got the idea for this secret government team, and Marty is just being pretty full of himself and is like, oh, I don't know. Where does anybody get their ideas from? And just is basically acting like he's just that gifted (laughs) that he thought of it out of his own little head. Marty leaves, and Jack gets a phone call. It's Sam, and she's telling him about the surveillance that is happening back at Marty's house. They're wondering if it has something to do with the arrival of the new mystery ship. Meanwhile, on the set, there's another explosion. (laughs) The director still wants it to be bigger. Jack goes to talk to a security guard who is at the entrance to this TV studio that they are filming at. She is reading a book called Dust Off That Old Screenplay and Sell It by Robert Cooper, who is some kind of producer, I think, on this show. Jack is there to ask for the comings and goings of all vehicles onto this studio, which apparently they keep track of every car that comes and goes. He claims it's for a security check that one of their generals is doing a guest spot on the show, and she is going to email him the results of her search. And he tells her he likes her uniform and then leaves. She wasn't really even wearing a uniform, was she? And no. She kind of had like a blue polo shirt on. It was, yeah, it was a really, <laughs> it was an interesting scene. I don't think there was anything like, it wasn't an interesting scene. And I feel like that's what's kind of interesting about it. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Back in the surveillance van, Daniel asks why anyone would become a teamster with two PhDs. Is there an actual teamster on the show that has two PhDs? They apparently changed this according to the commentary from a reference to so many teamsters being criminals. Oh. (laughs) And thought they didn't want to take shit from their teamsters, so they changed it. Good call. Yeah, Yeah. that would have been pretty shitty. (laughs) (laughs) Sam says it must be because of the money. I'm guessing they, I don't know, do they get paid well? I don't know. I hope they do. Yeah. I hope so too. They make things I love. Yeah, exactly. So I hope that they're getting the money that they deserve for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Sam is going through some files and finds one that looks familiar. She and Daniel both recognize it as one of Tanner's men, who is apparently a production assistant on the show now and going by the name of Steve Austin. (laughs) <laughs> who was a wrestler, if anybody has no idea what that reference is. He is also the $6 million man. Oh. Which is what they were going for, but they said in the commentary it works for both names. That's fair, because so, yeah. I only ever knew him as the wrestler. I don't know why I knew that Steve Austin was the $6 million name, but I did know that. Yeah. I don't think that's a thing I've ever seen, but no, me here either. we are. Interesting. So yeah. if I'm going to go pay Steve a little visit. They get to his apartment and have staked it out. Steve shows up. Quote Steve. Steve. Yeah. He goes up into his apartment. Sam and Daniel follow him up. They knock on the door. Sam radios to Daniel, who was apparently just like creepily hanging out on the stairs. (laughs) And when she comes up to him, he was like sitting, actually sitting there on the stairs. 
And I was like, I hope that none of the neighbors walking by were creeped out by this random dude hanging out on the stairs. But then I was like, well, at least Daniel's a little bit preferable to cat shit and rotten pumpkins. So that is true. You know, (laughs) I would take Daniel over that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, though, this scene was not convincing because of the lack of cat shit and rotten pumpkin on the stairs. But also, cat shit and rotten pumpkins aren't armed. (laughs) This is true. They are not. Well, except for, you know, armed with grossness. Aside from the grossness and the smell. Yeah. They knock on the door of the apartment, but no one answers. They try the door, which is obviously easily opened, unlocked even. They go in. They search the apartment. Steve Austin is nowhere to be found. Bitch. And they have no clue where he's gone. Back on the set, fake Jack and the princess are having a chat again about things that do not matter. They have a little kiss and then someone's cell phone rings and ruins the scene. Everyone is very angry. And of course, that cell phone belongs to Jack. (laughs) He answers his phone and leaves. Yeah. Back in Steve's apartment, Sam is on the other end of the phone and tells Jack that they've managed to lose Steve Austin. But Sam also says that they do have one lead, though. The guy apparently made a quick phone call that they traced to a warehouse somewhere. They're going to go and check out that warehouse. Jack asks them to bring backup this time. Sam says that Jack's going to have to confront Martin to get some answers in shorter order because that ship is going to be entering orbit soon and they need to know what's going on. So Jack's going to go do that. Meanwhile, we get a shot of... (laughs) The fake Tilk in his silver makeup with people trying to get him to be able to raise his eyebrow, which he apparently can't do on his own. They have a fishing line attached to his eyebrow that they are pulling on to make him raise his eyebrow as he looks in a mirror and tries testing out some expressions and just grunting. Hmm. It was quite silly. Nobody's Chris Judge except Chris Judge. Very true. Very, very true. This guy, though, is actually the actual the guy who's playing this guy is his stand-in. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's really funny because this guy seemed quite a bit smaller than Chris Judge. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Also at the studio somewhere, a network executive throws out a line, you know what this show needs? A sexy female alien, which <sighs> was totally a reference to Anise. Just... Throwing that out there, too. No, I was thinking more Seven of Nine and how they randomly brought her on in the middle. Well, it was Seven of Nine, but Anise yeah. was brought on to be like the... That's right. She was brought on the, this show. Yeah. The shitty Seven of Nine. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the the lesser. That's okay. If we, eventually, we're going to get to Paul as the sexy female alien who occasionally makes a guest appearance. It's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. Jack catches up with Martin, who's trying to get into a limo. Martin's like, oh, I'm busy, sorry. But then the other people who are getting in the limo get in and then the limo just drives off. So Martin's (laughs) like, all right, yeah, I got time now. (laughs) They go to Martin's trailer where Martin shows Jack the story he had written about this that became Wormhole Extreme. Martin lets... Jack know that the original story did have a fifth member of the team who was a handsome, smooth-talking alien stranded on Earth when his crew deserted him. But he was made to cut that part out. Jack asks again, where did you get this idea? And Martin's like, well, but 
Jack doesn't have time anymore, so he's like, it's all true. Wormholes, going to other planets, I'm in SG-1, we explore the universe. And Martin's like, this is a joke. (laughs) But Jack's like, no, you've been through the Stargate too, but you've had your memories erased. Martin wants to know how he knows about it. Jack repeating a line that Martin said to him in the first episode Martin appears in, because you're not just interested in outer space, you're from outer space. So, nice little callback. Indeed. Martin, though, does not think that this is anything except maybe a pitch for an episode. Martin's not getting it. But then his pager beeps. He's got to go to the set. He tells Jack to type up what he has and he'll take a look at the coverage. And, you know, no promises, but maybe. So he leaves Jack there, like, (laughs) bewildered, annoyed. Quite. All the Jack things. Yeah. Next, we're at the warehouse. They're going to go in and try to basically just see what they can find. Everybody's dressing up and getting ready to go in for their little covert ops. And I loved that Sam was wearing her practical high heels with this. (laughs) I get that they were wearing civilian clothes before because they were kind of undercover when they were following Steve Austin. But like maybe at least have an extra pair of shoes that they can give her. (laughs) Nobody had an extra pair of boots that they could give Sam for this. I mean, come on. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Anyway, they head into the warehouse. There's a whole bunch of other military people there already. They have a bit of a standoff, everyone telling each other to drop their weapons. Sam announces herself as Major Samantha Carter from the United States Air Force, and apparently she is addressing Agent Malcolm Barrett from the NID. So Sam and everybody have to lower their guns at that, and apparently they've been set up, and Sam is quite pissed. Back on the set, Martin has made his way to an empty soundstage. He's been paged there, but... Nobody's actually there. Jack randomly comes up. I was wondering why he was there. I guess maybe he was following Marty. I don't really know. That seems more likely than Jack writing up his story plot for Wormhole Extreme episodes. (laughs) Yes. Quite. Marty chalks this up to the crew playing an affectionate prank on him by paging him to the wrong place, but he has to figure out where the actual shoot is, and he needs to get there now because this scene is going to be super important. And then the lights go out. Marty is clearly nervous as he, again, chalks it up to a practical joke. Jack is not convinced that it's a joke, though, so they go wandering around through this soundstage in the dark, and then they come upon Tanner. And another alien, in fact. Jack turns over his gun because he's pretty much surrounded. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Next, we see Jack and Martin have been tied to chairs. Martin is concerned mainly about the fact that they're shooting the finale this afternoon and he needs to get there. Okay, this is one thing I noticed. Jack, (laughs) at the beginning of the scene when they're, like, their hands are tied to, like, the (laughs) chairs they're in... Jack is tapping on the chair like he's anxious and then tells Marty to relax. And I just thought that was really funny. Oh, didn't notice that. (laughs) (laughs) But they're not relaxed about different things. (laughs) Yes. Martin thinks that all of this is Jack's doing. He's like, why did you drag me into this? And Jack's like, dude, (laughs) you're the reason we're here. 
you've been drugged and your memory's been suppressed. Martin's not buying it. Martin thinks this is dumb. Stupidest act for opening ever. He tells Jack he should stick with the Air Force. But the door opens. Tanner and the other aliens come in. Martin asks maybe because he doesn't know anything, maybe they could just let him go. But then Tanner takes out a syringe with some kind of liquid in it. It's a bright green liquid, too. Yeah. It looks like mouthwash. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it is. Maybe. Tanner tells Martin, don't worry, it's just a little something to help you remember, and injects it into Martin. Martin's like, but but just tell me what you want me to remember, and I'll remember. <laughs> that's how memory works. Yeah. He passes out, and that's it. <laughs> yep. Back in the warehouse with the NID, they're having some coffee and a little chat. They've been basically talking about the entire situation with the NID, but... The NID is a bit skeptical since they're not necessarily all read into all of the stuff that's going on in the SGC. I think Sam is trying to get in touch with Jack to kind of help clear up the situation so that they're not in so much trouble with the people here in the warehouse. But of course, they cannot get in touch with him and they want to go and look for him. But Barrett, the NID guy, says nope. Because the NID has full authority over this investigation, he's not letting Sam and Daniel go anywhere. Back in the place where Jack and Marty are being held, <laughs> Teal'c conveniently appears. Right? That was random. Yeah, wearing a black hat, and he had a very loud Hawaiian shirt on underneath his coat. He did. I don't think I mentioned how much I liked his little, uh, his, like, not like a full-on chef hat, but his kitchen hat that he was wearing before that yeah. had, like, all kinds of fruit all over it. Two teal cat watches yeah, in this fantastic. episode. Yeah. And there was one in the last episode too. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of lots of teal cat time. Yeah. Teal apparently witnessed their abduction from the studio, which <laughs> is very convenient. Wait. He cuts them out of their restraints. <laughs> Martin is slowly coming to. Jack slaps him eventually. And that wakes Martin up, and suddenly he remembers Colonel O'Neill and Murray. <laughs> Tilk looks thrilled to be called Murray again. Oh, yeah. Martin reveals that Tanner didn't drug him. He drugged himself because he could not handle what had happened to his planet. Yikes. He also hated the real estate job the Air Force got him. <laughs> mm, that does seem pretty yeah. rough. Yeah. He also reveals that had he been taking these memory-wiping drugs for another month, the effects would have been permanent. But unfortunately, now Tanner has woken him up. And then Martin realizes, oh crap, I've revealed your Stargate program via (laughs) Wormhole Extreme. (laughs) Jack says, don't worry, it's, it's cable, so it's fine. Yeah. Jack asks why they jogged his memory now, the other aliens. Martin says that the ship was on a timer and the time is up and it's coming. They need Martin because he has the one device they can use to actually access the ship. Jack wants to know where it is and Martin's like, don't worry, it's in a safe place. Why would he have put it in a safe place? I guess maybe he put it there before he lost his memory. I don't know. 
Like, why would he have known, or how would he have known that it was a thing that needed to be hidden? Maybe he didn't. Maybe he was, like, looking around his apartment in a Mm. daze, like, oh, this looks cool. I bet this would be real cool on the show. Let me bring it to the props (laughs) guy. Be a great prop. Because, yeah, apparently he brought it to the props guy, and fake Carter has it on her belt (laughs) in the next scene. She's using it to scan for things. (laughs) They start filming the scene. Using that very important device as just a simple scanning prop. Meanwhile, in the prop's warehouse, Marty is trying to find that device and is, of course, unable to because it is currently being used. They track down the props guy and ask where the Quattro scanner went. And the guy's like, yeah, it's on location. Marty is, of course, dismayed to be hearing that. So now they got to go out to location to try to get it. And then the props guy, after everybody leaves calls Agent Barrett, because apparently he's a spy. Agent Barrett congratulates the props guy on his good work of being in the right place at the right time. (laughs) He tells his team to uh, get going. They've got him. He tells Sam and Daniel they need to stay there. He doesn't trust either of them. (laughs) Shocking. He tells an extremely large man to watch over and make sure they don't move. They head out. Sam, I love this part because Sam just kind of leans back and smiles like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but she was not concerned about being not at all. stuck there. Yeah. No. <laughs> she looked pretty confident in what was about to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and I like Daniel's look at her, too. Because he's basically looking at Sam knowing that this guy is about to get his ass kicked. Yeah. <laughs> and he looked pretty happy with that knowledge. <laughs> Jack, Tilk, and Marty have driven to the location that they're shooting Wormhole Extreme at this day. It's very sandy, desert looking. They disperse to go do whatever they're going to do there. Out in the middle of kind of nowhere, they're filming a scene. Fake Sam is picking up some gamma radiation from somewhere. Fake Daniel wants to know... How? That doesn't make any sense, he says. They're apparently looking for some aliens that seem to have just disappeared. They're continuing to film the scene. Jack comes up and manages to track down fake Sam, who has the scanner. And is like, ah, great job. Let me take that stuff for you. (laughs) Since they're on a break. And she's like, great, there you go. So now Jack has the scanner. Marty comes up and Jack's like, great. Let's go. But Marty does not want to leave. He wants to be there for the shoot of the big finish, he says. Jack does not care at all about that. But Marty refuses to leave. Jack takes a moment to take a closer look at the device that he's holding and asks if Marty can really control the ship from here with it. Marty's like, um, I don't know, but do I have to? And then Tanner comes up and is like, you can hand me that device. I'll go ahead and call the ship. Tanner has a weapon on them, but Teal'c's got Tanner covered and tells Tanner to lower his weapon. Tanner says, looks like we have a situation. Whee! (laughs) What a predicament. Tanner wants the device. Jack plays dumb and says that he doesn't have the device. But Tanner knows that that is definitely not the truth. He says that they let Marty and Jack escape so that they could lead them to the device because he knew that Marty knew where it was. And then Jack's phone rings. (laughs) He slowly goes to answer it. It's Sam. It is. She's calling 
from the place where they're being held, but she and Daniel have turned the tables on this giant man who was set there to watch them. He's got a big red welt on his face and is tied up now. Sam warns them the NID is on their way. Jax says he'll be in touch and then hangs up, tells the aliens that the NID is coming. Marty, though, says, look, they're too late. <laughs> he runs into Teal'c and says, I'm okay, Murray. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so ridiculous. I needed yes. to put that in there. <laughs> so they all leave wherever they've been having their face off to see something's happening in the sky. Yeah. There's a bunch of thunder and wind and there's some big white clouds building up. And on camera, fake Sam says that they should get back to the star portal before the aliens return. And fake Daniel says, but I haven't finished translating the alien text. So that's, you know, pretty spot on for what we've seen before. (laughs) Grell never actually opens his mouth. Every time that he's going to say a line, somebody cuts him off. And so, like, with the exception of the hmm from before, we never hear him say anything (laughs) this entire episode. Fake Daniel asks him what he thinks, and he's about to speak, and then they're all looking up, like, what the hell is that thing? Because they notice the big roiling clouds, and the spaceship that is coming out of those clouds. The director yells at the cameramen to pan the cameras around and actually film it, since, you know, they had to cut out the spaceship before since they couldn't afford it, but now they've got this spaceship that they can just (laughs) film. No special effect, it's just there. But the guy on the camera is apparently just still filming the ground. Marty yells at him to tilt up. Some black SUVs come racing up, presumably coming to get Tanner because Tanner is very alarmed when he sees them and he wants Jack to let the spaceship take him. Jack says, all right, well, you owe me one. He doesn't put up a fight. He's going to let the aliens, Tanner and everybody, go home on the ship or wherever it is that they've gone to since their planet had to be abandoned. What is Jack doing? First he lets Mayborn go. Right? And now these random aliens. Yeah. He's going to let Marty go, too, but Tilk points out that Martin Lloyd has chosen a new path. Marty is there just so ridiculously thrilled and in awe of this spaceship. I didn't really understand why he was so in awe of this and seemed so impressed by the spaceship because he's seen them before. He has his memories back. He knows he's from another planet and that he came here on a spaceship. I don't know why he seemed so impressed, but he did. I think he's just excited about how it's not going to cost five grand to have this spaceship effect. Yeah, that could be. (laughs) Tanner pushes a button. They get transported up. And Tanner, as he's being transported, tells Jack that they're not going to forget this. Everyone continues to stare at the ship until it departs. I did notice and then confirmed when I was listening to the audio commentary, they definitely, with that transporter, did sort of an OG Star Trek sort of transport. <laughs> I didn't even notice because I'm so used to watching Star Trek that I was like, yeah, that's right. That's how, thing- that's how people are transported places. <laughs> did not even occur to me. <laughs> Unless the spaceship is gone, the director yells, Cut it! Print it! That's a wrap! Yeah. Actual producer Michael Greenberg says that was a cool special effect, but then Brad Wright 
who is also a producer, is like, nah, I've seen better. So they're going to fix it in post. <laughs> and then they're going to go play golf. Yeah. Yeah. Then Greenberg asks, when's a good time to fade out? And Wright says, well, about now. <laughs> and they fade out. And the episode <laughs> is not over yet. Yeah. The episode ends technically, but then we sort of have, I don't yeah. even know what to call this. Outtakes, yeah. the making of, yeah. I don't know. I think there's an announcement that is like a behind the scenes look at Wormhole Extreme. Yes. It was pretty great. Yeah. We get a kind of a series of scenes. I don't know how much we want to go into detail. Yeah. Probably not a ton. Yeah. The first one, though, is the actual actor, Kristen Boucher, talking about how he plays this guy, Raymond Gunn, who plays Dr. Levant, who's based on Daniel Jackson, who's portrayed by Michael Shanks, but originally (laughs) portrayed by James Spader. (laughs) And then he asks whoever he's looking at, are you okay? It's very (laughs) funny. I just really enjoyed that. And that's why I'm putting that in there. It was pretty great. Meanwhile, the guy that plays fake Jack. The guy who plays fake Jack is Peter DeLuise's brother. Oh, really? Slash Dom DeLuise's son. Yeah. That's funny. Because all of the DeLuise children appear in SG-1 at some point. That's excellent. Well, I appreciated that he just seemed incredulous every time that everybody was explaining to him that Wormhole Extreme wasn't a real show. (laughs) Because they just kept showing outtakes of him being like, how is this not a real show? What do you mean it's a fake show? This has got to be a real show, right? It's real. It was so funny. It was. It was pretty great. Yeah. I don't think we can really do it justice. Just, you know, go watch. Yeah. That. And yeah. also all the rest of the episodes. Most of this. <laughs> yeah. I think my favorite part, though, when he was like, as a matter of fact, it does say Colonel on my uniform. Yeah. And then he's like, actually, it doesn't. <laughs> Wait, no, it doesn't. <laughs> Has anyone thought about how it doesn't say that? Yeah. <laughs> Just... Yes. Also, he wants to know if he's getting paid real money to film this fake show. Yeah. <laughs> It was very funny. Like, this yes. whole thing. Definitely go watch it. Quit. <laughs> so, Kathy, did you like the episode? I love this episode. It's in line with things like Galaxy Quest and Jose Chung's From Outer Space in the X-Files in that it's sort of lampooning. X-Files is very self-referential, while this is also self-referential, but also sci-fi referential, which is mm-hmm. basically what Galaxy Quest is, like lampooning sci-fi. Right. And I love all of that. And I love comedy in my drama shows. So this made me very happy. I personally don't think you need to like get who everyone is in the crew in order to enjoy this. I'm happy that they got to do this. And I'm happy that, you know, listening to the director commentary, they, you know, they pointed out all of these people who were in this who actually work on the show. The studio that they show is actually the studio they film at. And I like all of that stuff, but I don't think it's necessary to enjoy this show. So actually, I was a little bit surprised when I was sort of reading reviews of this episode. Because there were quite an, a lot of people love this episode. I'm not... Yeah. But there were there were a fair amount who were like, yeah, there really wasn't much to the plot. I'm like, yeah, because they were yeah, showcasing all of this comedy and right. all of these, you know, people who work Light behind the scenes. Right. Which I get, yeah. There wasn't a lot to the plot, which is totally fine with me. I, what is my point on this? <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's very funny. I enjoyed it a lot. Some of the complaints were sort of like, you know, like the actors weren't in it that much. Yeah, but they were in but it, yeah. though. I mean, like, there's plenty of episodes where, like, one of them or two of them yeah. are not in it as much as some of the other yeah. ones. 
So I'm not trying to make this an argument against why people don't yeah. like it, but I I just really well, enjoy wrong, all of this kind <laughs> of sort of, uh, you know, lampooning, deconstructing of yeah. the genre. What about you? Yeah, I liked it a lot. I don't really have a whole ton to say about it other than that it was just entertaining and funny. Yeah. And a good way to spend their 100th episode, I thought. And I liked that they were giving acknowledgement to a lot of the behind-the-scenes people. And you know, like you said, it didn't necessarily matter if you didn't recognize them. I mean, like, as far as the plot goes, it didn't matter if you didn't recognize them. But I think it's still great that they gave them that acknowledgement by having them appear on screen, either as themselves or, like, as a background actor or as somebody. I thought that was pretty cool. For sure. So what's next? Next is... Stargate SG-1 Season 5, Episode 13, Proving Ground. Not proofing ground. (laughs) We're not making bread. That would be pretty funny. That would just be a great British Bake Off (laughs) spinoff. The description of this episode, according to the booklet, is Colonel Jack O'Neill and his new SG recruits have become the targets of a secret hostile takeover. Now it's up to a wounded O'Neill and his neophyte troop to save the command center from a possible alien invasion. I think that could work as a bake-off concept. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. I actually already watched the episode since we're recording. Oh, you did? Than usual. (laughs) That Air Force person with an attitude that Sam was uh, mentoring is back, right? Yeah. Yeah. I actually forgot that she was in it. And I was like, oh, hey, it's that chick again. <laughs> Haley, there we go. Yeah. 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 Yep. That is her. That's like the only thing I remember about that. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> fair. I will give away new spoilers. <laughs> as always, thanks for listening. If you haven't already done so, make sure that you subscribe so that you can get our episodes as soon as they come out every Wednesday. Likes and reviews are very much appreciated to help other people find this show. And word of mouth is great for that as well. We love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Instagram and Mastodon. You can also email us at stargatesing at gmail.com or send us messages through our website, which is stargatesing at, uh, wow, stargatesing.space. <laughs> I don't know why I randomly <laughs> forgot our email address, or our website. Anyway, if you're feeling generous, you can also join us over on patreon.com slash stargatesing to help support the show. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargatesing, the end. The end. Well, I don't think it's... It's not Jack, right? It's the fake colonel. Yeah, fake Jack. Oh, you said fake Jack. I'm sorry. I ruined that. I'm an asshole. You should punch me. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Just, you know. I lost my spot. Hang on. Sorry, I did that. I ruin everything. You do. It's true. The actor himself then breaks. (laughs) Sorry. Just banging my water into things.